When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. And this is the Bechdel cast, our podcast about how women are portrayed in movies. Through an intersectional feminist lens. I know. Oh. I just want you for them. Yeah. Now they know. Now they know. Well, welcome <laughs> to the Bechdel cast. We are like activated right now. <laughs> oh, I'm less exhausted. I'm drinking a Mike's Hard Lemonade. We're literally Rooney and Garland right now. <laughs> age 12. I'd like to be Rooney, please. I don't. Oh, Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Rooney and Judy Garland. Got to go. Mickey go, go, Rooney, go, 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 go. my king. Yeah. <laughs> I love Mickey Rooney. I love small thick. Mickey Rooney. Hey, speaking. Small okay, thick so you, us talking about Mickey Rooney means that our conversation is not passing the Bechdel test. Oh, she brought it back. Yep, uh-huh. always bringing it back. Uh-huh. The Bechdel test, which is what is the inspiration for our podcast, requires that a movie has two female characters with names who talk to each other about something other than a man and based on our version of the Bechdel test it just has to be like a two line exchange among two female identifying characters let's try it shall we i'd love to hey caitlin hey jamie i was thinking about going to chipotle after this are you inviting me or are you just telling me do you want to come i didn't know if you (laughs) fucked with chipotle Oh, I fuck with Chipotle. Do you fuck with Chipotle after this? Yeah, let's oh do it. Oh my god, okay, fun. Yay. Wow, two women making plans. Our new show. <laughs> We're taking it on the road. <laughs> Amazing. Two so. dope queens making plans <laughs> to go to Chipotle together as a group. And that's the whole title of the podcast. Yeah, you have to say it in one breath. <laughs> so we're here to talk about a movie, as we always are, and as we always do, we have a guest. And our guest. Oh, okay. Let's, 
Again, just reminding you what this podcast is, Jamie. Sometimes, every time we reiterate what the podcast is, I do somehow internalize it as like, Jamie's so dumb, she probably forgot what the podcast is about. But that is part of our job, and it's not a reflection on me, and I just have to no. be more cognizant. I'm just always assuming that every episode we do is the first episode that one of our new fans listens to. One of our new fans. Right. We're always having new fans. We have so many fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm addicted to the fans. I'm kidding. I'm so tired right so now. If, I don't know what's happening. If this is the first episode you're listening to, welcome. Sorry. To the, the, Let's introduce our guest. Uh, yes. I'm so excited. I feel so bad she has had to see this much. Yeah. <laughs> so she much. is a wonderful person. She was my colleague at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown Comics, and she's a hilarious comedian jenny chalikian hi thanks for being here thank you for having me of course so you brought us but i'm a cheerleader but i'm a cheerleader yes. okay tell us your history with this movie when did you first see it what's your relationship i saw it in high school i saw it in rome georgia in my friend's house she put it on i had heard nothing about it and i wasn't a gay then i just was <laughs> just a freelance a freelance Jenny. gay? A freelance Jenny. <laughs> I was too stupid to know I was gay, and I watched this movie, and yeah, it blew my tiny little mind. Wait, how old were you at the time? Oh, I did the f- five-year plan in college, so I was probably <laughs> like 17, 16. Okay, so yeah. around the age that Megan is in yes, the movie. I think so, yeah. Did you have a similar experience where like people had to be like, Jenny, I think think you might be gay yes a couple people approached the subject <laughs> and i was just like what i would know that wouldn't i i, I would be the first to know right i i wasn't uh, some people some people caught on a little sooner than i did mm-hmm. so <laughs> good tension yeah. <laughs> good stakes because like i went to boarding school i was mm-hmm. i went to an, i was in an all-girls that? dorm and i was like wouldn't i especially then I definitely would. No, I didn't. I was just like, girls are stressful. Did did it have anything to do with like your upbringing or? I grew up in a pretty conservative religious household. But even then, like my parents were very pro me. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have any language to even figure out those feelings. Like I remember looking up gay and homosexual in the dictionary or the encyclopedia. We had an extensive encyclopedia and just not much information there. I used to look up the word penis in the dictionary when I was like probably like oh, who has 10. Yeah. You're, you're a little freak. I used to, I had this elaborate plan my friend Jade and I, we both had such a big crush on Ashton Kutcher and we were both socially very weird. So we convinced <laughs> our teacher, who was like a very young, nice Teach for America guy, mm. we're like, we should be able to stay inside and Google things during recess because we don't like going outside because we're losers. And he was like, <laughs> okay, point well taken. Stay inside and Google things. And so we just Google Ashton Kutcher nude. <laughs> <laughs> frantically for days on end just waiting for the right photoshop to mm. look realistic enough for us to believe <laughs> never happened oh i'm sorry I, know. I saw this movie for the first time i think i was like a freshman in college um i had a friend of mine recommend it to me and i was a young film major at the time so i was ah. like of course i'll watch any movie and i remember liking it a lot and thinking it was really funny and i saw this movie and saved within i think probably like a few months of each other and i it's was a good like pairing. yeah i enjoyed them both 
me rewatching, but I'm a cheerleader for this podcast is the first time I've seen it in a long time. And I forgot how fun it was and like just how up. visually interesting it is. It's just visually a, so I had cool. no The style of this movie is so cool. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that I saw this movie before I knew who RuPaul was. So I totally forgot he was in it. And I, I kind of did too. Yeah. I think, yeah. His character is so funny. He's great in this movie. Yeah. I saw this movie for those of you who are playing Bechtel Cast Bingo out there. <laughs> We had bingo boards recently. Anyways, if anyone's got their bingo board out there, I did see this movie this morning. Mm. And I loved it. I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. There's definitely stuff to talk about. Oh, there's but so I like this I, I really enjoyed it. And just like from a visual standpoint, this movie is so cool in the way it uses like a very specific color palette and just, oh, I really like it. And the director of this movie, before we jump into mm. it, queer female director, Jamie Babbitt, who, when I started doing research on her, I was like, this name looks really familiar to me, and I can't figure out why. She's directed almost every TV show in existence. All my favorite episodes of Gilmore Girls were directed by this woman. She directed United States of Terra, Diablo Mm -hmm. Cody Show. She's directing a lot of Silicon Valley that's, like, airing right now. Like, she's She's legit. Awesome. This was her first movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was her first movie, and I was just like, pretty impressive she nailed she also um big fan she directed and then the movie was produced by her i think then girlfriend who she later married but also then divorced andrea sperling mm-hmm. oh, interesting. Um, because she's that. now married to carrie dornetto also Great. a major i think producer in hollywood ever heard of it wow all the hollywood heads out there are frothing right now <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, yeah, she's part of the fun of watching this movie was like learning more about her, and she seems so fucking cool. She directed my favorite episode of Gilmore Girls ever, which for all you Gilmore Girls heads out there is "Take the Deviled Eggs" in season three. <laughs> really funny. Episode. Thank you. Just a little bit of Jamie trivia for you. <laughs> so yes, this is an example of a movie about queer people made by queer people. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we encounter movies where there's like maybe one gay character. They're usually sidelined. We hardly know anything about them. And the movie was made by a bunch of straight people. Yep. And so, you can tell. I and think. you can tell. <laughs> yeah. The execution is usually pretty, uh, they, they show their hand pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll do the recap. Let's do it. Okay. So, but I'm a cheerleader. It's about a character named Megan, played by Natasha Leon, and she is a cheerleader, and she has a boyfriend who, when she makes out with him, she is picturing not him, but instead a lot of, of boobs yeah. and cheerleaders doing flips and butts and all kinds of non-men body parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but she... <laughs> a very accurate description. Yes. <laughs> So she goes home and her parents are like, um, hey, we're about to have an intervention because we're pretty sure you're a lesbian. And she's like, what? No, I'm not. And they're like, no, we're pretty sure. And then there's a really funny sequence where they're like, gay iconography. And there's like a Melissa Etheridge (laughs) poster. And they're like, and you're a vegetarian and you're trying to make us eat tofu and you only ever have pictures of girls in your locker. I love how they basically do describe, they're like, you seem like a pretty good and ethical person. (laughs) Therefore, we are sending you away. Right. So her parents are, we can imagine, kind of conservative Christian. There's also the vaginal pillow. The vaginal pillow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel like that should have been an open and shut case right there. (laughs) 
but she like lays her head down and it's just like, oh, okay. Sorry, continue. There's also, well, the first time we see the parents, they're basically praying that she's not gay. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, yeah, we got some conservative religious parents. She's yes. just in the dark. She's like, this prayer is very specific. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a very specific prayer. <laughs> So they have an intervention and basically like, you're a lesbian and we don't want you to be. So we're going to send you to something called True Directions, which is a camp slash rehabilitation center to effectively turn gay youth into hetero youth. So they send her away and she is reluctant and she still does not acknowledge that she is gay. She thinks she is straight. And then so the the facility is run by someone named Mary and she has what is clearly a Kathy gay son. Moriarty, yeah. one of the best character actors ever. Mm, great. Loved her work in Casper. I, <laughs> I love the scenes where her voice is just like 13 octaves lower than you're expecting. You're just oh, like, ooh. Kathy Moriarty <laughs> basically is a cigarette and she is so amazing i love her so much she's oh she's great yeah so we meet her and her son named rock who we can assume Re- reference to rock hudson yeah. oh yeah. yeah i didn't pick up on that but yes mm-hmm. so i think we can assume that she has tried to turn what is clearly her gay son also into a straight person and it is working to not great effect. She basically <laughs> keeps him in a dog house. It's crazy. <laughs> but he's always like pulling on chainsaws and just mm-hmm. like jerking off a rake and <laughs> all the dudes are he's like... He's an erotic housekeeper. <laughs> like her <laughs> landscaper. It's just... I, I love rock. Rock, rock, rock rules. Great. So Megan meets... She meets all of her peers who are other young people whose parents have been like, you're gay and we don't like it. So we're going to try to turn you straight at this camp. The first step is to like acknowledge that they are homosexual and then they have to figure out what their root is, like why they have denied themselves of a heterosexual lifestyle. So there's all these different steps they have to go through. And Megan meets Graham, played by uh, Clea Duvall. And they... Who is my root? (laughs) (laughs) Clea Duvall Sensational. So great. Yes. She's also the person who, in She's All That tells what's her face to to kill herself, kill herself. <laughs> and i uh, i can't lots of iconic clay yes. <laughs> yeah the, maybe the worst Bechtel test <laughs> passing scene of all time <laughs> is clay duvall motivated where she's like you could actually kill yourself <laughs> and it passes and she goes, the Bechtel oh, test no, but... don't say that <laughs> it's like they had names <laughs> like, yikes <laughs> but anyway so um, megan meets graham and graham is a little you know she's kind of hardened and she's smokes cigarettes and she swears and all this stuff. So also the seems... only character who doesn't apologize for being gay when we're introduced to her mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Which kind of changes later. It's interesting. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get a little closer and they get a little friendlier and then they eventually develop a romantic relationship. Meanwhile, all the people who are running the camp, one of them being the character Mike played by RuPaul who is an ex-gay. <laughs> They're like, I used to be gay but then I turned hetero from the camp and even though it's like the gayest camp of all time, it's oh god! The, I love the graduation outfits, which is raincoat fabric. Everyone's wearing raincoat. It's like fabric. lycra prom dresses, yes, yeah. or something. You're just like this is a music video. Like it's just it's oh, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. So yeah, then 
Graham and Megan are like, or let's run away together because like this whole thing's bullshit. Like you, you, you are who you are. You like who you like. You can't change that. And a lot of the characters do recognize this, but because of the pressure from their parents and society, they are, you know, trying to deny who they are and mm-hmm. adhere to society's norms. And by the end, Megan's like, I'm not going to do this. Fuck this. Like I like what I like and I like girls and I like cheerleading and I'm not going to apologize for that. She gets kicked out of the camp because she and Graham get caught kissing. Yeah. So she gets kicked out and then she's like, I can't believe Graham didn't come with me. So she goes back and effectively kind of rescues her from the graduation ceremony. Just this whole cheer (laughs) and then finally graham because what's at stake for graham is that she won't get to go to college or get her trust fund or anything like that because she comes from like a wealthy family right lots of of zaddy issues right (laughs) but then she realizes like yeah fuck this i'm gonna embrace who i am and be with megan so they run off together and that's pretty much the end which is great Yay. Yay! Also, a movie that ends with two women scaling a fence mm. <laughs> and escaping. Where usually, when we cover a movie in this podcast, it's a man jumping over a fence to surprise a woman. <laughs> yeah, but this is two women escaping consensually. <laughs> Big moment for fences. <laughs> oh, yeah. Normally, uh, fences really get the shaft. Totally in film. <laughs> Check out the movie Fences. fences. This anyway. has been a plug for <laughs> buy fences on iTunes. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Uh, seemed pretty well received. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an example of a movie that is uh, based on a play, which are almost always extremely boring because it's 98% dialogue. Except for Doubt, <laughs> which is the greatest movie of all time. Right, 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 right. It's really good. And okay. I, yeah, anyway, good. back to But I'm a Cheerleader. So, But I'm Doubt. <laughs> But I have doubt. I have such doubt. <laughs> but I have such doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's the story of But I'm a Cheerleader. And there's a lot to talk about in this movie because yes. it, more than most movies, explores gender identity, sexuality, mm. societal expectations, heteronormativity. Like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. It's also real stylistic. Like, it has a, it really does have its own look and feel. And if you want to have fun, you should go back and read movie reviews of this movie done mostly by straight people. Mm. <laughs> largely summed up by, like, I don't get it. I don't. Why? They made a lot of choices. I didn't understand them. <laughs> it could have been more gay uh, was a popular one. And Roger Ebert really? in his review is literally like, someone told me that these camps actually exist. That's crazy. I was just like, thanks, Robert. Roger Ebert. He's like, it doesn't make sense because at the end of the day, you always choose what you want to do. And I was like, Roger. He he also hated Josie and the Pussycats, so fuck him. Yeah. But he, Roger, I feel like we, I mean, it makes sense because he is the movie critic or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I feel like whenever we're addressing his reviews on this podcast, it's because he has a bad take. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, you hate this movie that uh, 10 years on literally everyone loves. Maybe he's. Maybe he died from embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) We can only. Perhaps the most scathing (laughs) take ever on this podcast. Roger Ebert (laughs) died of a bad case of bad takes. I was wrong all along. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Um. (laughs) Anyway. A big criticism, and again, most of the criticism is coming from straight male movie critics, but a lot of this, like, the satire is heavy-handed. It's like, what else would it be? Like, you're trying to fit 
these kids into this like very strict gender identity. They've pushed it not even that much to the extreme because like Mm -hmm. when you think about it, like true heteronormativity is pretty extreme. And so like you get this very like polarized idea that they're trying to inflict on it. It's like it's always going to be heavy handed, like because that's what they're ultimately trying to achieve is this Mm -hmm. perfect, unachievable, absurd ideal in quotes of gender roles. Mm -hmm. And so it was such a weird criticism to hear. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, the movie is a clear satire, but I feel like a lot of like people are like, what's happening? Yeah. Why is it so pink? And like, I love the scenes where Mary is teaching the girls how to like vacuum the carpet mm-hmm. and paint each other's nails. And, and then like RuPaul is teaching the men how to chop wood and fix a car. And it's like, I like how war is part of the male identity. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like, but it's like it from a satirical. That's so funny. Like, right, that it's works. hysterical. Also, the pose, like the Charlie's Angels pose they make right before <laughs> they like charge the hill with like fake guns. I was just like, this is amazing. It's yeah, so this good. movie like overtly explores what is considered very stereotypical gender roles mm-hmm. that most movies don't bother looking at or examining or anything like that. And it's just so funny. Like when you do look at it from such a satirical point of view where it's like, yeah, we teach boys that they should know how to fix cars and mm-hmm. play football and chop a piece of wood and shoot a gun. And we teach girls that their main job is to maintain a household and clean and wash a dish. Like the... <laughs> Uh, like those scenes are so funny, and if you don't realize how absurd <laughs> the gender roles that we are inflicting on people even today, how they're so silly and outdated and crazy, like of course you're not going to recognize that as satire, and of course you're going to be like, oh, this is this movie, yeah, yeah, I don't get it, I don't, it doesn't make sense, but yeah. and the, like the satire of like the scene where they're all with the family and they're looking for what Megan's root is, and Kathy Moriarty mm. just mm. goes out on a limb to the point where the parents are, and I'm like, oh, of course you only care about it when you're sort of being insulted, like your daughter can be insulted yeah. and you can send her away to be just like well, completely she flips their own gender norms on them, right? It's like you're the reason. It's like wait, <laughs> the, right? They're like, oh, but it was only nine months. Oh, right, because uh, she's like, I saw dweebs. <laughs> like, I saw my mom working and my dad wasn't working, and that's what probably made me gay. And it's mm-hmm. just like, that. it's a it's a funny Which, joke. Uh, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny, I'm curious, because I think this is the first movie we've done on the podcast that features a predominantly queer cast of characters, if I'm not mistaken. It's a very good debut. It's a good movie to open with. So I'm curious. I can only speak to so much as a unfortunately hetero person. Um, So I'm curious. We forgive you. I'm so sorry. In all her press clippings, Caitlin is referred to as the tragically hetero Caitlin Durante. So I'm curious, Jenny, how do you feel the like representation of lesbian characters is and queerness in general is in this movie? I personally really enjoyed it because it at its heart was a comedy. Again, I grew up pretty sheltered, pretty like not realizing I was gay, didn't have many clues to go on in my mind. But like what I was exposed to was just TV and film, most of which very depressing. Like mm. if you're just trying to like 
figure out what gayness is through movie and TV, it's pretty bleak. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, e- even when sometimes there's a gay and lesbian directors or writers, it- it'll be about, you know, history or bullying or something. All very important subjects, mm-hmm. but terrifying if you're just in the middle of nowhere being like, that doesn't look like any fun. Right. <laughs> so like, so- I won't go further with this. I don't know. It's like no levity in the way queer characters are. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked that it was chaotic and funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I responded to that at the time more than the fact that it's like, oh, there's good representation Mm because I didn't know. I didn't even know the deficit that I was experiencing of like gay figures in media. Totally. I think that's a problem for a lot of like people who belong to a marginalized group like Because representation is so bad for anyone who's not a straight, cis, white, able-bodied man Mm -hmm. in media historically throughout all the years. Like, I grew up loving so many movies that treated women so horribly because that's really all there was. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing a positive trend of, and it's not anywhere close to being perfect or even good yet, but um, a trend toward better representation, more inclusion, where people who historically have really never seen themselves represented on screen are finally seeing more and better representations of themselves. For me, I I mean, and again, this is, I'm in a similar predicament as you, Caitlin, where I am the terminally hetero Jamie Loftus. <laughs> but You're being very the hard ups- on yourself. <laughs> the upsettingly straight the- Jamie Loftus. <laughs> Like, this seems to me like a very kind of like open and closed case of just like, yeah, you can make a really effective satire about queerness if you give the reins to a queer director and writer who knows what she's talking about. And then it's like punching down to the right people. And I mean, the same thing's happening in like Black Panther or like Wonder Woman, where it's just like, oh, it can be like this. Mm -hmm. Like, we all know or Bechtel cast listeners know, like, representation is lacking. But when you finally see a movie where that comes together, you're just like, oh, man, it's, it's, it's so exciting. exciting. <laughs> yeah. And there and, is, uh, like, there. it's this movie is, like, ultimately a satire, but it's, like, well done because it's written by someone who has perspective. Like, I, I read an interview that Jamie Babbitt did around this time, and she was like, yeah, I was, like, aware of these camps and, like, had heard all this stuff. And then I, I wasn't aware of the extent of the practices at the camp where when you oh, see yeah. it in a satire you're like there's no way there was electroshock there absolutely was electroshock mm. this was, was a pretty so benign scary. representation and it's still like yikes yeah <laughs> but, yeah uh, mm. and i don't know i mean and, and like that's so not cool that it happened but cool that it's represented in this very creative interesting stylized way Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to clarify. So this movie was directed by Jamie Babbitt, written though by Brian. So she, she also has she like wrote- a story by credit, but the screenwriter was Brian Peterson, who I tried to do some more research on, and I couldn't Me find too. a whole ton about him. So I don't know if he it's is on a commune somewhere, <laughs> right? So I, I, I was like, okay, is he gay or he is, is he? Gay. Gay? Oh, he is. He is gay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I would be yeah. very surprised if the person who wrote this movie was not gay. He is, uh, from what I'm seeing, he's gay himself and had some experience of conversion therapy while working at a prison clinic for sex offenders. Oh, holy shit. 
1999, Variety named him one of 10 screenwriters to watch. Another thing about him. Wow. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to be on that list as well uh, for having... Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Break those but, screenwriters. So he screenplays is, out of the closet. He is a queer screenwriter as well. But it's this it did seem to be thoroughly Jamie Babbitt's story that she was also mm-hmm. directing. De- definitely, yeah. yeah. I think it's also helpful that there's multiple gay characters like uh, for the men and women there's Mm -hmm. like a spectrum of like femme and butch men Mm -hmm. and women like if there's just one gay character in a movie that gay character has to represent all of lgbt queer people and that's impractical uh so i I think it it was helpful that there were just a zillion different types of you know even just people in the closet and not in the closet Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think that the representation could be better considering that all of the women in the camp, uh, maybe all but one, were white. I think Jan was a person of color. <laughs> Jan is terminally ambiguous, like, <laughs> in every aspect of her life. Right. And God bless her. Mm-hmm. I believe that well, is she, a woman she comes of color. Out straight. player? Yeah. 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 Well, that's, like, an amazing satirical move for people who don't get it who yeah. are watching this movie. I'm yeah. like, here's well, a very painful outing as someone as straight. You know, it's like that's so funny and absurd, but also for people. I like imagine my dad who is progressive but doesn't totally get it yeah. seeing something like that and being like oh okay you know <laughs> like that is like sort of like for people who want to understand but don't quite get it mm-hmm. you know? well I mean heteronormativity can fuck with straight people too like I mean yeah if I'm sure both of you have been like accused of not being you know Oh, I've been been assumed to be or asked if I was a lesbian on so many occasions in my life. Thank you. I'm just like, uh, I'm not, but I'm glad that you asked. I feel very blessed in this moment. In fact, my mom, so there was a large span of time that has gone on even longer by now. But when I was in college. (laughs) That's how time works. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm saying it it, it never changed. So uh, when I was in college. My mom a few different times asked me if I was a lesbian because I never had a boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which is a very heteronormative assumption to make where it's like, oh, well, if you don't have a boyfriend, it must be because you're gay. And it's like, no, because I'm emotionally damaged and (laughs) don't understand emotional intimacy, mom. But yeah, so my mom's like, you know, it would be okay if you were and I would still love you and you can come out to me and all this stuff. And I'm just like... I know that to be true. And if I was gay, I would definitely tell you I'm simply not. I'm simply just a damaged person who does not know how to connect with people emotionally. Well, that's very much queer culture. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm basically gay. I, my dad, my, yeah, my, well, this is not going to make my dad look very good. Uh, I was in the GSA What's all that? of high school, the Gay Straight Alliance. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> I, I identified as S, but if you're in the GSA in like an urban high school, most people just are like, uh, G. And it's like, no, eh. but also what, but my dad uh, would I be like. Ampersand. <laughs> yeah, because the Gay Straight Alliance really ignores a lot of people in the queer community. But anyway, go yeah. on. I, this was oh, a long time ago now, but I mean, I was, it was the only, like, that and you know all the other clubs I was in also uh, like <laughs> drama club and band. <laughs> also, I thought you were going to be like Amnesty people. International, which is obviously dipping your toe into going to the gay straight alliance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I was in, I was in the GSA all through high school, and my dad. You know, my parents were always like very supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but my dad would just be like, "It's Jamie's Gay Monday." <laughs> 
because he would pick me up from the GSA. Can and be we make like, that a thing? Jamie's Gay Monday. Jamie's Gay Monday. And so every Monday he'd be like, how was Gay Monday, Jamie? I was like, it was good. <laughs> we had productive discussion. And I was like, my gay little Jamie. And I was like, I okay, fine. You know, my dad didn't fully get GSA, um, mm. but it was fun. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Recommend it to any such a weird relationship. To gay also, Mass- Mass- Massachusetts was the first state to legalize yes. gay marriage, but also is such a fucking weird state on every yes. level. I mean, we've all that's where we all met. Yes, mm-hmm. that's where we went. And, and what a strange place uh, <laughs> yes. where you can't like my dad was fully accepting of me. This is peak New England. Fully accepting of me participating in the GSA did have to call me Gay Jamie. Uh, oh. <laughs> gay Jamie's Gay Mondays, uh, which is Massachusetts is like New the liberal offer. upside down. Like, it's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, it is the weird. Uh, yeah. Well, I so I grew up in a, as you know, a very small rural Pennsylvania town where any sort of thing that wasn't heteronormative was thought to be very evil and gross and horrible. Like it was a very conservative mm-hmm. area. And to my knowledge, there were no out gay people in my high school. There were certainly gay people, but none of them felt comfortable with being out. But when I got to college, I soon met someone who would become my best friend, JT, friend of the cast, friend of the cast, Twilight episode. He would go to gay parties all the time and bring me with him. I was like, this is such a cool culture and straight culture is so fucking boring. And to the extent where I was like all of the screenplays I was writing in film school, again, I did go to college and then grad school to get a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if you, I've ever mentioned that before. No, and I didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, all the screenplays I was writing were about gay characters, which like, as a straight person, problematic. But I don't know. I was just like, I was so fascinated by the culture and really just wanted everyone to know that I was an ally. <laughs> it's all, I mean, I don't know. It's it's so weird because it's like, the, this is like the fairly recent past, but I feel like discourse and views have shifted so rapidly now that it's like, I mean, I think about my attitudes towards gay culture and like how, yeah, like hyped I was on it in like high school. I'm like, that probably was not. But also at that time, I don't know. It's a tricky, tricky area to navigate. Yeah. I mean, uh, it takes a little while to figure out how to talk about things, especially if you haven't done it in the past. So, I mean, I think people give themselves a little too much flack for not getting it right out the gate. Mm. But, like, gay culture is awesome. Everyone should have queer friends. If you don't, you're missing out. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and gay parties are better than real parties. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and, yeah, smell way better. <laughs> straight parties smell like straight up ass every single time. <laughs> Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, so this podcast is called The Bechtel Cast. You probably didn't know that. Again, Jamie, I'm I'm here to <laughs> tell you. I need to, like, get some self-esteem. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so stupid. Kayla thinks I need the podcast. has to explain to me every single time we do it. <laughs> oh, no, that's anyway. a me thing. I'll, I'll work on no, it. Okay, yes, <laughs> yeah. okay. But there are a number of other cinematic tests that you can apply to media aside from the Bechdel tests that examine representation of other things. And one of the things that 
I think has come up every once in a while, but I would like to explore it more and is certainly relevant for this movie is the Vito Russo test, which was named after Vito Russo, a celebrated film historian and the co-founder of GLAAD and wrote a book, The Celluloid Closet, which remains a foundational analysis of LGBTQ portrayals of Hollywood film. A movie passes the Vito Russo test if it contains a character that is identifiably LGBTQ. That character is not solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And the character must be tied to the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant impact on the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most movies don't even come anywhere close to passing the Vito Russo test. No. Yeah. Certainly... This movie, none we've done on the podcast, I don't think. You asked this question on Twitter, and I was just firing off like replies, and then I realized that all the movies that I was saying they were just subtext gays, right? Where I was just like, and a lot of them were Michelle Rodriguez movies, but uh, (laughs) so I wasn't completely wrong. But uh, I, I didn't realize until literally that. I had like an existential meltdown where it was like (laughs) all those movies were just like they were just coded gay. Yeah. And so I just 100 percent counted it. So. Right. Because a lot of movies will. We talked about this, for example, on the episode about The Rock, where Mm -hmm. there is that stylist character who is coded as gay, doesn't necessarily identify himself as being gay. Well, Mm -hmm. and then we get into a lot of trope villain characters, too, where obviously removing Jafar (laughs) <laughs> Sorry that I always go straight to Jafar, but I do have a crush on him. And it's never going to happen, Jamie. He's a gay icon, right? He's a gay icon and also a cartoon who's not real. <laughs> so it's just never going to happen with me and Jafar. Uh, but, but like, obviously, you remove Jafar, the plot is impacted, but there, but it's, yeah, totally yeah. coded. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I mean... Uh, and vilified. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Villains across the board are often coded gay right yeah so. disney has a hu- <laughs> and, uh, horrid history of this and then yeah i know but it's like but then the characters are so dope mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> the last time i went to disneyland i didn't know that it was like a, it was a gay day at hmm. disneyland where there was like a massive meetup of uh lgbt people at disneyland and it was like suddenly a way better day than i was originally <laughs> going to have it was like everyone's like it was just so exciting well the energy was it was elected, especially once it got to be nighttime and people could start drinking. I was like, this is the greatest Disneyland <laughs> experience of all time. Oh, sure. It was so great. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about this movie, But I'm a Cheerleader, in relation to the Vito Russo test. Because let's explore this. Because the movie definitely has characters who are identifiably LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. The caveat of the Vito Russo test that says that a character is not solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity, I think is where we'll get into a little bit of gray area because the whole movie is about whether or not like these characters being gay and having to, because of this camp they're in, try to deny themselves of their sexual orientation. So it's, it's the whole story is really tied and their, and their characters are really tied into the fact that they are gay. So I don't know. Do you have a, I feel like, like Mary and the camp are way more obsessed with their gayness and gender identity than the actual characters. Like when you get down to it, you remember Graham is more like standoffish and like Mm -hmm. snobbish. And, you know, Megan is just like, 
you know, this wholesome, Peppy, you know, cheerleader. Yeah. like they all have personalities outside of but, their. And like even Megan's outing, like her intervention, like <laughs> it was absurd. Like they were just like, you have this poster in your room. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I think their gayness definitely comes into it. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're just solely defined by. Yeah, yeah, like you can say other things about these characters. Totally. Yeah. And, and by the end of the movie, because I was wondering that a little bit too. But then by the end of the movie, I feel like there's that line that like there's not just one way to be a lesbian. You have to continue to be who you are. Where that point is made pretty explicitly of just like there's not one way you just continue to be yourself the character is saying that as he's handing her a mug that this just says queer, queer. <laughs> i was like is this commentary or just uh, a rogue props master <laughs> like there's uh, there's many ways to be a queer person now drink from this mug that says queer. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean every character in this movie i feel like has a discernible personality one way or another mm-hmm. yeah. um, and also kathy moriarty's character is gay are we? That was I my. Know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I. To me, I was struggling with. I was like, is this just a Kathy Moriarty vibe I'm getting? <laughs> right. Is or, this is this her having like internalized homophobia? To me, it read as her son Rock presents as gay, mm-hmm. and she basically started this whole camp to be like, I have to t- convert my son into being a hetero. And, hey, if I can do it with my son, I can do it with anyone. So, like, I feel like this whole thing is built around the fact that she doesn't like that she has a gay son. And she that's why. She definitely likes rules. Yes. She's addicted to rules. And she's not great at being a woman. <laughs> like, she does. She has to have plastic flowers. So she's not actually tending to anything. And Everything has plastic over it. She at can't keep anything least, clean. <laughs> at very least, she is, like, intense, internalized misogyny. Oh, Because she's for just, sure. like, Scrub the floors. Yeah. Fuck the boy. (laughs) Now. I was reading Bragg, the Wikipedia page about this movie. Wow, hot. Amazing. And I don't know if this was the, I can't remember if this was exactly the intent of the filmmakers or if it was just something that people were like, hey, this, her, basically her character can be seen as the sort of panic surrounding the AIDS crisis and how, because she's so obsessed with cleanliness and all of that stuff mm-hmm. oh, where um, she sort of symbolizes like the panic around AIDS and oh for sure they yeah. don't sleep on that like when they're protesting it's like AIDS kills faggots or something yeah yeah, yeah. they're when they're folding uh, napkins at the gay men's home there's like <laughs> AIDS ribbon on the napkin mm-hmm. like yeah no you're totally right I wanted to touch a little bit more on like the representation of um, also on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> about this movie jamie babbitt was saying how she like deliberately cast a lot of the roles and it seems to be this is especially true for the men who were at true directions not necessarily as much for the women but she did put a conscious effort in casting um, people of color in the different roles because the characters of mike dolph and andre are all people of color but um i feel like i don't know it just it struck me as a little weird that the like the love story between Megan and Graham, it's still very white, and yeah. I feel like I, I think that if this movie was made today, we would see a little bit more representation of people of color. You know? Yeah, like I I think she definitely did try and go out of her way mm-hmm. to cast people of color. I think back then, 
So there's probably some people it's like, this is too much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, uh, oh, well, actually, also, on that note, um, it says that Babbitt did briefly consider Rosario Dawson for the role as of Megan. <gasps> but the executive producer persuaded her that Dawson, who is Latina, would not be right for the quote unquote all-American cheerleader. Rosario character. Dawson uh. is now on Jane the Virgin in a lesbian relationship. She <laughs> is, and it's Being, really good. It's really good. Like, <laughs> oh, God, I love Jane the Virgin is my favorite TV show. It's ever. so underrated. <laughs> I love it so much. Why is not everyone in the entire? I've seen all of Jane the Virgin. Like, three Rosario days. Dawson is also <laughs> just killing it in that role. I love so. <gasps> just Rosario. a footnote that she mm. couldn't have known. Rosario Dawson plays a great lesbian. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) shouts out true ally. I I also wanted to ask Jenny um, about how how you feel about straight actors playing gay characters on screen. I do not have a problem with it. I don't think it's uh, again gay isn't like a personality. Right. I think it is a little different for trans actors, Mm -hmm. but I think across the board, like this wouldn't be an issue if they were any part of LGBT were just cast regularly Mm -hmm. and not just like across the board, like passed over for gay or not gay straight role or like, Mm -hmm. but like they are being shut out. And I think that's, it's just part of, it's like what we can't even play gay characters. Like it's, it's more that rather than like gay people are the only people who can play gay characters, which I just, it's not true. Right. (laughs) Like, I have, um, a, I have a little soundbite from Natasha Leone more recently, because she's played several queer characters yes, over the years. But is straight. But identifies as straight, yes. but then also tags that by saying, mind you, when I say I'm not gay, it doesn't mean that I've never tried sleeping with women. Of course I have. I'm not a dumb dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> fun time. But, she, but there's also, uh, she she talks about, like, they're like, well, you're kind of like a queer icon Mm -hmm. but you don't identify as queer and then she responded this is a new york times interview from a year and a half ago she said i never want to feel like i'm taking ownership of an experience that's not my own but it seems like a lot of the female experience is in response to men and when i play a lesbian character it means that she's on her own ride i love men i want to sleep with as many as possible (laughs) but i don't want my whole life and certainly my creative experience to be in response to just being the girl like who needs it Mm -hmm. and then she says she sleeps with women because she's not a Mm dum-dum For her. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I always I wonder part of me thinks that it always kind of felt a little weird or wrong when straight actors would play gay characters because there runs a, a big risk of them misrepresenting. Sure. And that. some people have said some really dumb stuff after playing a gay character mm-hmm. like but and like I would also like to have some LGBT slash queer actors that I can be like. Hell yeah, and root for them. Because mm-hmm. right now, a lot of queer icons are straight. And that is mm-hmm. frustrating. I don't think the answer is... I I don't know. I, I hope that we can get to a point where gay actors can just be cast in any role. Not like they sure. can just be... And they're, yeah. we're seeing some of that. Neil um, Patrick Harris was briefly a straight icon. <laughs> a, right. toxic ma- a toxic masculinity icon. Right. Interesting subversion. Right, right, right. So straight that for a while I was so just like, enough. Enough <laughs> yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. So straight that it's like you're hurting people. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, Pull back. There Pull can't back. be a book about how to abuse women. <laughs> with Neil Patrick Harris's right. picture on it, which there was. Uh, but like Janelle Monet is out there doing some awesome stuff in terms of every one of her new songs. I'm just like, oh, 
What a gift. What and a gift. Hasn't like Lady Gaga said, like, I only write songs for gay people? Sure. I, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope to one day be a queer icon as a I hope tragically I- straight person. <laughs> I still want to be a queer icon. Uh, The tragic queer icon. (laughs) Tragically hetero queer icon, Caitlin Durant. I recently lost my job. So in order to grieve, I went to Vegas this weekend for a lesbian sci-fi convention, Clexicon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just a bunch of lesbians running amok in Vegas and a bunch of shows that have had lesbian pairings and romances and characters we're all represented there. It's the second con, and it was huge. So it's been a huge success. And all the actresses or actors, sorry, I guess mm. that's reductive as well. <laughs> all the actors, uh, all women who were there, were just like treated like royalty. That's uh, awesome. Because they just represented these people. And people are thirsty for just seeing something mm-hmm. up there. But it was a pretty cool place to be. I just yeah. throw that out there. That's awesome. Oh yeah, good good Vegas weekend. Yeah, yeah, it That's was amazing. it was pretty cool. Very gay, oh. very gay weekend. It was. Uh... <laughs> it's a good. Clea Duvall and Natasha Leon also played a couple on screen in a movie. Clea Duvall, who does identify as queer, mm-hmm. um, they played a couple on screen in a movie. Clea Duvall wrote like last year. Yes. Do, uh, what's it called? The Intervention. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I was reading. I haven't about seen that. it. Now I want to see it. Yeah. Same. So back to, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, yeah. This movie. (laughs) Sorry, Caitlin. Uh No, no, no. So for, uh, but I'm a cheerleader. It was initially rated by the MPAA as NC-17. And the director made cuts to allow it to be re-rated R. Mm -hmm. But the reason that it was rated NC-17 was a couple things. Like it had nothing even really graphic or anything like that. It was just like a mention of a woman going down on another woman. (laughs) This movie is hella vanilla when you actually look at it. (laughs) The only sex scene is, it's like kind of, boringly tasteful yes there's not that much happening no, yeah it's, it's a it's a pg when there's a caress you scene. sometimes can't even tell what body part is being like yeah they're like oh there's just a lot of skin and yeah right so it's a pg-13 sex scene totally yeah. but because of society and how we hold gay things to a different standard mpaa was like because it's two women in a homosexual sex scene, it's so obscene and so graphic that we have to give it an, an NC-17 rating. I suspect it's a double whammy where it's gay and female pleasure. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good point. Uh, the she docu- also masturbates halfway through. Right. She uh, does. And it's I- over the clothes, but still, she's obviously... Natasha Leon's masturbation facial expressions, I'm okay. just like, have you masturbated before? Most people don't turn into cartoon characters when they masturbate. I mean, she she also has like eyes that are like one third of her face. That's true. She does. She is very. But her eyes were like she would like poke at her own vagina, and then her eyes would roll back into her head. I'm like, this is an interesting. She's also like vaguely praying, I think, as she's masturbating. That okay? That's don't do that. (laughs) This is a terrible realization to have. Oh, I'm very horny. This late in the game. Yeah. So that was one of the scenes in the movie that didn't quite 
I don't know if it didn't track for me or I just like found it odd where she had just had a sex dream where she was kissing Claire Duval's character. She goes into the room, a different room, and starts masturbating, but then sees two men kissing and then says, ew, gross. And then she basically rats them out. So she rats out her fellow. She's a snitch. Yeah. yeah, and then no one gives her any shit about it. They're just like, Meh. Oh, I like I felt like there they, should be some aftermath. They of gave that. her a little shit about it, but I think it's part of the thing where it's like all of them are so scared. All of them are trying to be. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, think yeah, it didn't the, take much to push her over the edge and be like, "Oh, that is someone else." You know, it's where it's like you're experiencing the same things, but it's way easier to villainize someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, granted, I yeah, the the two guys who she catches do say, shut the fuck up, you little <laughs> bitch. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like, I know, I know that I shouldn't have laughed, but that's one of my <laughs> <laughs> fucking little bitch. It's like Rufio is furious at you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was an opportunity for maybe some more tension for the other characters to be like, yeah. hey, we're like, you know, we're all confused and like, how could you rat out your fellow? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think to a certain extent, they're partially brainwashed a little too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they grew up in the same, like this isn't what Mary's telling them isn't so insanely foreign to them. Like they've been hearing it all their lives. So I think that even when they're just like, well, this is kind of who I am, there's like a grain of like, well, this is bad as well, you know? Right. I don't know. Um, back to the... So the movie was rated uh, initially NC-17. Yeah, it's and, um It's the, R. It's, it's an, now R. Hard it's, R. It's barely an R. Like, there's... A yeah. few, aside from a few times where characters say, like, fuck, like... I feel like it could get away with a PG-13 rating. I mm-hmm. think so, too. But a, few, yeah. a, a, few ta- a few fucks edited it out, and this is easily a PG-13 movie. Yeah. What was uh, Blockers rated? That new oh, movie? I, it has to be R, I yeah? think. Yeah. Really? I don't know for sure, but characters say fuck a lot in it. Oh, okay. and I'm pretty, I think. I don't know. Uh, that was just the movie that I could think of most recently that would yeah. be analogous to a teen romp. <laughs> I Yeah. I don't remember. It is rated R. It is. Okay. The documentary, um, this film is not yet rated, explores the sort of double standard. I think she talks about the actual scenes she had to cut. I think so. Yeah. And then that documentary also, it'll put up like side by side sex scenes where gay sex is being shown. And then right next to that, a sex scene where it's heterosex. Mm-hmm. And they can be virtually identical, except for the fact that one of them is gay and one of them is not. Mm-hmm. And the movies with the gay sex scene almost always get the NC-17 rating, whereas the movies with the heterosex scene, even if they're not any less graphic mm-hmm. or show, you know, like it's not as though there's like dicks flying everywhere, like hard erect, like the, so the across the board, it's pretty vanilla when it's mm-hmm. gay sex to the point where you can just go just the tiniest notch above, and I'm like, oh, are we going? Like, I'll just like be running around the room, <laughs> like just like oh, I can't believe it. She goes into a panic. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just shows that the the like gay sexuality is held to a different standard by society, and it's seen right. as more graphic and obscene. And well, I also think if you're that doing it's like it right. It might be. That's <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> That's also all sex. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And it, it is such a it's frustrating to hear stuff like that because it does come down to such an issue of access where this is a movie that was successful. It had a only had a one million dollar budget and ended up making two point six million. But this is like the sort of movie where that if there was 
access given if this did have a PG-13 rating, which it easily could have, Mm -hmm. and was widely released, there could be so many more young people in 1999 who could have seen a competent queer text and had access to it. No, this movie was super important to me, and I I wouldn't have seen it if my friend wasn't like, watch this. (laughs) Yeah, it was only released in something like 115 theaters across the country. It had such a small theatrical release. Who knows what like movie distributors are thinking? I don't know the intricacies of that aspect of um, well, it's exhibition still, it's still and distribution. Seen as a risk. Like right, I think right. at the end of the day, all movie releases they don't want to take a risk. Right. Whether it be people of color, gay people, women, all that stuff. If this yeah. movie came out now, I feel like it would have gotten a way wider release and, and Mm-hmm. I mean, because like um, I'm gonna keep harping about Love Simon, but um, I I literally have the Wikipedia page. Of, <laughs> but that what's movie, Love Simon rated PG thirteen? It oh, good question. Uh, I don't know, but I know that it it has a 17 million budget and has so far netted 45. Like it's like fuck yeah, movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. It's, Love Simon is PG thirteen. Yes, good. So uh, one of the last things I wanted to say about this movie is, so when I was rewatching this and hadn't seen it in a while and didn't totally remember all of the details about it, the first probably three or so minutes that you see of this movie, like the opening sequence of like the credits and everything like that, is just like, again, disembodied female parts, a lot of shots of boobs, a lot of shots of cheerleaders doing splits. You see their crotches, you see their butts, you see their mm-hmm. like abs, like all these like very sexualized images of like the female form. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is like some male gaze shit. But then you realize it's not coming from the male gaze per se. It's coming from how Megan is viewing these characters. So Mm -hmm. it's really coming from a lesbian female gaze. Yeah. Which... Who's probably trying desperately not to think of such things. (laughs) Right. Which probably does not help. (laughs) And I have complicated feelings about this where I'm like, okay, well, that's cool that you're seeing this imagery from a different perspective and from a different gaze, but it's also like, should we really be objectifying women's bodies? I don't know. I For for me, that was subverted enough so that it worked. Mm -hmm. And that's true of almost every stereotype present in this movie, where there's... And and correct me if there's anything you, you but uh, like most of the stereotypes in terms of how the movie's framed, in terms of the characters themselves, almost every stereotype presented is commented upon in some way, to the point where it's challenged or recontextualized. For me, that that mm-hmm. those shots were recontextualized in such a way that it was like. It's weird because it's like, oh, now we're getting into like some some film major shit. Um, <laughs> you know, visually static image. It's the same way you could have a male looking at cheerleaders, but the context is so different. Yeah. Right. That... No, I feel like the male gaze goes hand in hand with like objectifying and not caring about women. Like her boyfriend is like, you don't even like to kiss me. He knows that. And, and he keeps still... kissing her. Oh, yeah. And like you see her. She's attracted to female bodies yes but she's also like super supportive of her friends and like you know even at the camp like graham has been kind of shitty to her she's just like hey do you need a hand and she's yeah Mm -hmm. she's so i think that yeah she's might be viewing women sexually and just kind of like that might be detached Mm -hmm. but i also think it goes back to the thing like she's probably trying not to think of like you know that so it's Mm -hmm. probably amplified a little in terms of like she's also a teenager exactly (laughs) now that i think about it i want to watch the trailer for this movie because i bet it's kind of 
I would guess it's bad. <laughs> the line used to market this movie was, but I'm a cheerleader, a comedy of social disorientation, <laughs> which could mean so much. It's like, just tell us what the movie's about. Right. It was a pre-9-11 world. We didn't know how to market things. <laughs> social <laughs> disorientation. Right. This Yeah, this movie came out in 99. I think if... I mean, we say this a lot on the podcast, but like if this movie was rewritten and remade today, it would be so different. So, But for the time, this movie is very progressive considering 1999's I think it's standards. still fairly progressive. I would agree, yeah. I think it's like I 9 think, to 5 where it's like you could tell it was made in the past, but the points are still pretty salient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There, I mean, there was nothing in particular that stood out to this movie of like, yikes, that does not age very well. Right. I mean, I think that, yeah, the points have maybe be hit home harder or in a different way than they were then. Now, mm-hmm. I don't maybe know. there would what, be like more. Did you guys have anything that stuck out to you as like, whew, not not really. I think the only the only real thing is it was very noticeable that almost all of the women who were at True Directions were white women, and the yes. romances were very between white. white. Yes. Um, that's not to say that the movie is completely devoid of people of color, because it's not. But I think you know that that was a, a choice that was made, and and it's pretty glaring today. Um, I mean, I, that Rosario Dawson casting comment speaks a lot to the time this movie was made. Right. Too. Yeah. 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 I think also if it was made today, some updates might be that like it would be more inclusive of like trans people or non-binary people or bi people, just like anyone else on the queer spectrum. I'm trying to think who I'd cast if it were today. I feel, I feel like Gina Rodriguez would be a strong contender mm. for one of the... She's the best. She is. <laughs> Did you see her in uh, Annihilation? No, I haven't seen Annihilation yet. Girl. God, I love Gina Rodriguez so much. It's She's very really overwhelming. It. That movie is very pro Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez, <laughs> I'm in. I want to give my dollars to people who like Gina Rodriguez only. <laughs> oh, she's so great. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts about the movie? I wanted to shout out Mink Stoll, who plays uh, Megan's mom, who's in every John, uh, not John Hughes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. John Waters? John Waters movie. Mm. Sorry for just having a panic attack. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's a, the French person who tries to dance with Megan. Oh, Julie, Julie Dupley. Yes. I was so like. Michelle Williams is in this movie. For it's a very hate, yes. at her most hateful. At her most hateful. <laughs> I'm like, way to take advantage of just how Michelle Williams' resting face looks. <laughs> They're like, we're going to make her do something really mean. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> she has a mean resting face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I respond to very powerfully. It's like, yes. <laughs> Your disdain is like food. I wish that there were more gay or queer comedies. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge fucking deficit oh, totally. of that. There's a lot of, I mean, it's very important to remember your history and remember and to, you know, shine a light on issues faced in the gay, lesbian, trans, bisexual, queer community. But, oh, man, comedy would not go amiss. Yes. And there's like a huge market for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know we have conflicting thoughts on Scott Thompson, but he was the first gay person I saw on TV. Mm. And he was also the first gay person who fucking loved being gay. Yeah. And was just like, I'm so happy I'm gay. My (laughs) life is better because I'm gay. And uh, 
definitely like, i haven't seen much of that since like even today like it's just like not in the mainstream certainly oh man it's pretty kick-ass being gay sometimes <laughs> which <laughs> like, i mean this has become a pretty cult movie and it's pretty recognizable to i mean a lot of people have heard, at least heard of this movie maybe not I everyone's hope, seen yeah. it but i think a lot of people know about this movie give it a watch um, guys <laughs> it's yeah kinda, so, i wish i'd seen this movie sooner yeah it's kind of one of the few movies about like queer culture that has kind of crossed over into the mainstream i have seen a few gay movies that um i know (laughs) brag that most people have not heard of at all uh and that are only popular in the gay community gay movies (laughs) right where it's just like (laughs) it's weird like because straight people do often their takeaway from gay movies is just like it's like, oh, you didn't get what you were watching. You should, mm-hmm. you don't even realize how. Just by the way, uh, the other three, the only three lesbian comedies in oh, existence, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I'm a Debs, and possibly Imagine Me and You. Oh, Debs possibly. Gets, I haven't seen Debs or Imagine Me and You. Um, Debs gets recommended to us to do on the podcast all, all the, the time. time. You guys, <laughs> so we, we gotta go do an episode. It. Oh God, <laughs> guys, guys. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I will watch again. It. Very campy. Mm-hmm. Very great. campy. Sounds great. Um, which I'm not saying is a deterrent, but oh, it's a quality film. Yeah, <laughs> give it a watch. <laughs> we'll Debs is described guys, as a short... end of list. It's not even my favorite comedy. It's just the ones. <laughs> Those are the comedy <laughs> lesbian comedies that exist. Wow. <sighs> I would love to be proven wrong. Tweet me. Well, it's now's the time. Uh, any lesbian writers out there who want to write more lesbian comedies, please do it. <laughs> do it right. Write the stuff. Direct do it. Right it. Now. Make it. Deficit. Yeah. Do it right now. We're millionaires. We'll give you our mi- <laughs> our millions. My favorite gay thing in existence is a gay male web series called The Wondrous Life, Life of Gay Caleb Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo or Gallo. Wait, I, I haven't I seen think that. Gallo. Gallo. It's on YouTube. It it's might be so... the best thing in existence. It is peak gay chaos. It's so good. It's so funny. Freckle is a main character. Who is? Aunt Freckle is the best. Gender fluid, I think. Yes. I don't know. The what? The wondrous? Gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo. Okay. Oh, Jamie, I really think you would... It it's sounds only, it's, love yes, this Spectrocast <laughs> listeners, please watch this web series if you haven't already. I'm so excited. It's so good. Yeah. It's so. described as Will and Grace on speed. This does. <laughs> I feel like Will and Grace is reductive in the sense it is so much more. So much more. It's, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I don't know. It's great. So Yay. Well, I'm yeah, this movie was probably instrumental in me eventually coming out. That's great. And the, wow. uh, and again, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but like movies and media are so influential, especially to young people or just people who find themselves not represented on screen where yeah. if they do see a glimpse of someone like them, it's really powerful. Yeah, I'm glad uh, this it's movie It's helpful exists. for people who are too stupid to know they're gay yet. <laughs> when I was a kid, I watched Pete's Dragon on repeat because I had a huge honking crush on Helen Reddy, who is a lighthouse keeper. Oh. And I thought I just wanted to do chores in a lighthouse. That was my <laughs> sexual orientation for a long time. Light, lighthouse chores. Yeah, try and ex- explaining trans is so much easier to parents than being like, Mom, Dad, I'm in love with lighthouses. So, <laughs> Yeah. Great. I so would, shout out to queer dummies. <laughs> I, th- I I only had crushes on cartoon characters, you know, up until as recently as uh, today. <laughs> Jafar, 
The dragon from Pete's Dragon. Oh. For Anastasia for me. An- Anastasia um, was a... Anastasia? Technically, I, Dimitri is Anastasia, but like gender flipped. It's like, <laughs> but like Dimitri, hot. I don't know. I just want to say, I said gay a bunch of times, but mm. I think I still use gay as like queer. Yeah. And like an all-encompassing LGBT thing, which some people find exclusionary but sure so, yeah like to just footnote that sure I, yeah li- listeners out there um yeah the language i feel like people are still trying to figure out exactly what language to use in a lot of mm-hmm. situations because like some people find queer uh offensive like mm-hmm. within the lgbt community but i think it's i prefer it i think I we know. on the podcast kind of use it as an umbrella term to describe anyone whose sexual orientation and or gender identity does not fall within. I'm sorry, I know you're trying normal. to wrap up, and I'm like, let's unpack all of the <laughs> language we just used. No, I so say we're always trying to do better. And if you, perhaps one of our listeners, know of a term we may not know of, we're addicted to information. Yes, please <laughs> let us know. We we we're hoping that our language, the queer community, loves to share. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we want we want our language and our perspectives on things to be inclusive. If we're making any missteps, please let us know so that we can correct ourselves in the future. Yeah. That being said, whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test, uh, it does. A doy. What if we got to the point? It's like crazy, but so yeah. I'll talk to RuPaul the entire time. (laughs) Also a movie I would still see. Yes. Women talking to RuPaul. Please. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So uh, Megan and Graham talk a bunch. Megan and Mary talk about all. There's tons of female characters and they all talk to each other. And sometimes they are mentioning a man. But for the most part, the conversations are more about sexual orientation. And it's a non-issue in this movie. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. It passes. It also, like we um, concluded earlier, it passes the Vito Russo test, which I'd have to really go back and look at the list of all the movies we've covered on the podcast so far, but I feel like it's maybe the first movie to pass the Vito Mm -hmm. Russo test Mm -hmm. that we've done so far. Let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Let's do it! So, I would give it 4.5. I'm gonna take a half nipple off for the fact that it could have been a little bit more intersectional. Yeah representing not just gay and lesbian characters, but also other people on the sexuality and gender identity spectrum, as well as um, could have been better representation of women of color. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, though, it's such a fun movie. It is great that this movie exists, that it's a funny, lighthearted, but also providing a lot of commentary on important issues like heteronormativity and, and gender roles and all that stuff. So it's it's getting a lot done while also being extremely entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a great, fun romp that I really enjoy. I love and a good romp. I, I love, love say, a good romp. Who doesn't love a romp? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, four and a half nipples. I'll give one to Megan, one to Graham, one to Jan, one to, we didn't talk about this character really, but um, Hillary think... from New Zealand. She Melanie Lynch. She Australian? Mm-hmm. Or New Zealand? New Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, mm-hmm. God. I love She's Melanie great. Lynch. She's Oh, God. Bring then, her back. Sure. Her. Also, her accent serves her so well when you first meet her. It's like, lunch at 11. 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gay uh, people who like rules, by the way, are the most hysterical <laughs> and tragic to me ever. <laughs> just she, like, she, lo- she was like pointing at that chart and she's I like, mean, they exist. She and, loves the chat. Yeah. The chat? It's a chat We've a pacifist steep. Um, <laughs> uh, and then my half nibble will go to, let's say, uh, Michelle Williams, just because Ugh. I forgot she was she's, in this movie. She's doing, she's, yeah. Cool. I'm going to give it a four, uh, sort of based on the same reasons you described. I think uh, across the board, it does very well. Lacks intersectionality that I would wager was not present literally anywhere at the time. So it wasn't really a a roadmap for it. Um, But there are some picky areas where, for reasons we've already discussed, it could do a little bit better. But in terms of almost everything, it's like... You know, just having a movie made by a queer artist, I just wish that more people had been able to see it at the time and feel like the world would have been a little bit better if that were the case. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give four nippies. Uh, I'm going to give two of the nippies to Megan. I'll give, I'm going to give my other ones to Melanie Linsky because I just love her so much. She's <laughs> so good in Heavenly Creatures. She's so good in everything. In everything. I really do love her. God, bring back Melanie Linsky. Where are you? <laughs> No, I think you guys are spot on for the intersectionality thing. I really do, especially since it's for her first movie and she was still trying to be like, I would still like to She's make like it 28 as intersectional as possible. Yeah. There's definitely more she could have done. I think she tried, but at the same time, like the gay community is in a unique spot where they can be like, this is what we want to be about. Mm-hmm. And there is like a racism problem because racism is systemic. But, but like you, I think the gay community is in a unique position to be like, hey, we want to be about inclusivity and mm-hmm. intersectionality, but I'm still going to give this movie all the nips. All, all the nips. All, uh, Five? It's, it's my. It's one of my favorite movies. Yay. I'm sorry. I oh, don't do apologize. A thousand percent agree with you on the uh, intersectionality thing. I'll give it to Clea Duvall, who is my root uh, <laughs> and just hero. One to Jan, who I think is one of the most important characters in the film. Totally gets overlooked. I think. Yeah. I think even when I first watched it, I thought she was a little bit more of a punchline than she deserved to be. Like I, I thought it was hilarious. Like who does she think she's kidding? But now I watch it and I'm like, no, she is the best of us all. <laughs> she is the most important character. I don't even know how she would fall now. Like I don't know if she really was straight or if she was, you know, I tried fluid to do a little bit and of maybe. On that actress. But I, I, I think it, it's. It's cool. She's like, you're you know, you're not even putting me in the right box now. Like, I, right. I think she was just kind of cool and very fluid in whatever she decided to be. Yeah. Uh, I will give one to that vaginal pillow, which <laughs> uh, was incredible. I mean, just throw a nip on the, just throw a nip on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, uh, RuPaul. Oh yeah. The soundtrack. At one point, Rock is dancing to a RuPaul song. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Amazing. I think I have one more left, uh, one to Mary's very deep voice, mm. which I loved. Beautiful. When she comes in at night with like a flashlight, she's like, Megan, you've got a phone call. I was just like, oh, <laughs> that's my sexual orientation. <laughs> it's an older woman shining a flashlight in my you head. you got a phone call. <laughs> I love and when she's on the phone, so she's much. just in her bed in her silk sheets, tuning a guitar. Like an acoustic guitar. It's so <laughs> weird. Why? 
Yeah, she isn't. The things that are never explained in this movie are the most important to me. Kathy Moriarty is so intentionally in the background of that entire scene the whole time, and it's so unclear why. <laughs> Great movie. Yes. Um, well, Jenny, thank you so much thank for, you for being here. I'm a huge fan. Yay! Where Bechtel can people? Head. Oh, oh, head. oh, thank you so much. What do you guys much. call your fans? That is what we call them Bechtel for some heads. reason. Yeah, um, <laughs> we could have done better, but we, we didn't. Yeah, no one was like, "What if we're the like?" Yeah, so I just like to tack head onto anything. <laughs> Well, thanks for being a fan. Thanks for being here today. And thanks for bringing us this movie. And is there anything you would like to plug? And also, where can people follow you online? I am a comedian. Uh, You can find me. My name is my Twitter and Facebook and everything else. It's Jenny Chalikian. Sorry, that name does not roll off the tongue. (laughs) It is Mm C-H-A-L-I-K-I-A-N. And uh, I have a really cool show that I do with Aaron Judge every third Thursday in Culver City called Romantic Comedy. Yes, it's um, such right. a great show. We usually have an incredible lineup. Both mm-hmm. of you have been on it. And uh, in, in May, <laughs> we're having Nell Scoville awesome. as amazing. one of our guests. And we, we just have a really cool, it's usually mostly women. And it takes place in a bookstore. Uh, the that, Ripped Bodice. Yes. So which is just, they sell exclusively romance and erotica and also just feminist texts mm-hmm. of all sorts. That's so, awesome. But it's a really cool bookstore. Everyone who goes through there's just it's it's a cool place to hang out yeah so yeah if you live in la check out jenny's show you can check us out on social media as well at bechtelcast on twitter and instagram subscribe to our patreon for crying out loud it's five dollars a month and you get access to two bonus episodes every single month wow i know incredible Also, work really hard for this podcast. You put out a lot of material. We do. So give us your freaking money about it. We love content. Also, (laughs) buy our merch. We have really cute stickers. We've got really cute buttons. And that was very aggressive. Also, buy our merch. Buy our merch. I loved it. I I was like, well, I'm going to. Yeah, it's just uh, Mary's voice. Like, no, I can't. Buy our merch. Buy our merch. Well, uh, there you have it. Our discussion of But I'm a Cheerleader. Jenny, thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. And everyone just have a really special day. Okay, bye. Whoa. Okay, bye. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. 
To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.